I, I surely can't be the only one who has had a lot of those moments over the last five months, right? A, a, a lot of moments where I've just kind of caught myself getting sucked into some argument on Facebook, fired up about some random news article, some random clip, the kids that have been cooped up in the house for far too long and they're at each other's throats and I'm just kind of standing back at a distance ready to lose it. A, a lot of moments where I've literally had to just press pause, take that deep breath, think very clearly about what I'm going to say and about what I'm going to do next and then proceed with caution. Seriously, all of you who are watching right now, whether you're gathered in somebody's home for Grumble at Home, that, that's so exciting that that's launching today, whether, whether you're sitting next to a loved one, whether you're just sitting there by yourself, will you just literally right now, wherever you're at, just go, take that deep breath. Because some of you, you've already had that, that morning from hell and you just need to slow down, take that deep breath and prepare yourself for whatever it is that God wants to say to you. As strange as that maybe sounds to you this morning, I'm telling you, I think if you're willing to listen, God has something for you today. Now, this is going to sound like, like a bit of an odd question, but do any of you remember where you were on the evening of November the 19th, 2004? All you history buffs, you're racking your brains thinking, okay, what historical event was it on November 19th, 2004? Chances are you probably don't remember the date, but I would almost guarantee that you remember the event, something that has come to be known as the Malice at the Palace. Here's even like this incredible artistic depiction of it, where on November the 19th of 2004, a, a full-out brawl ensued at the Palace of Auburn Hills where the Pistons used to play between the Detroit Pistons and the Indiana Pacers, where, where, where players started punching each other. They started punching fans. I, I remember exactly where I was that day. I was over at a friend's house. Her name was Courtney. And me and my buddy Tim were hanging out on the back patio. And all of a sudden, the screen door comes flying open. And Courtney's like, you guys got to get in here and see what's happening on the Pistons game. And we're like, she has never been interested in sports before. So we go rushing inside, having no idea what we were about to watch. And we all just kind of stood there with our hands over our mouths, mouths open going, oh my gosh. As again, this full out fight and not just again between players, but, but fans alike. Some of the most grotesque behavior that we have ever seen in the history of American sports. Even those of you that don't follow sports, you ended up hearing about this. You ended up watching these clips. And I remember because I didn't see the whole thing. I was so curious what led to this. And I remember watching the, the, the layup where the guy got hacked. And I remember thinking to myself, and perhaps you had the same thought, well, that escalated quickly. Geez, like that, that got out of hand in a hurry. There were a whole lot of people that evening that would have benefited from taking some deep breaths. It would have been to everyone's advantage, fans and professional athletes alike, to just pause for a quick moment and think about what they were about to do before the utter chaos proceeded to happen. Our world currently, just in case you maybe haven't noticed, is a bit chaotic right now. You saw it in that video at the top of service. Obviously, COVID-19, face masks have just kind of become normal 
Well, sort of, and <laughs> unless you see the old water jug trick, that definitely has not become normal, or my personal favorite picture that has come out of all of this. Yes, that is, that's right. We, uh, we're putting masks on cats now. Do not forget about the cats. Murder hornets, rising racial tensions. All three of these people are actually running for president right now. What in the world is going on? We have my grandfather, a rapper, and, and that hair. <laughs> the world is just laughing at us right now. If you haven't noticed, our, our world, <laughs> it's a bit crazy right now. And given what we're all experiencing, whether you're white, black, Christian, non-Christian, young, old, I knew that today God was literally telling me, hey, Shay, it is time to just press pause. Because we all know how easy it is to get sucked into this vortex that is the 24-hour news cycle. Sucked into whatever the hot button issue is for the day or or even the hour. And before we know it, our our emotions have just completely taken over. And and we're thinking to ourselves yet again, well, that escalated quickly. And so, truth be told, uh, today we are actually supposed to start a series titled Campfire Stories. Where we're going to be taking a look at some of the parables, some of the stories that Jesus told during his time on earth. And by the way, uh, we're still going to be doing that series. We're just starting it a week later than we originally anticipated. But, but this is one of those rare Sundays where, where God very clearly told me to go in a different direction, to, to pivot. And, and when I leaned into that and said, okay, God, I'm, I'm willing to do whatever you're asking me to do, but... but <laughs> What do you want me to say? He, he gave me such clear words. He gave me such clear vision for today. He, he, he gave me this, this, this picture of the local church, the big C church. And again, the church, when we say that, it's not a building. We're talking about a community of people. The local church just kind of collectively pressing pause, t- taking that deep breath, and very clearly thinking and praying through how we are going to proceed in this new reality that we now find ourselves in. Because if we are not careful, we too will get sucked in and find ourselves looking no different than the world around us. Baited into arguments and dissension and hatred. We'll find ourselves placing policies and procedures ahead of people. Blending in with the world around us rather than being a community that is marked by how well we love one another. I want to show us a a passage of scripture. It's actually a portion of a letter titled Colossians that we find in the New Testament, the second half of the Bible. Uh, This letter, it was written by a guy who went by the name of Paul. Paul, who actually wrote better than half of of the New Testament through these series of letters. And he wrote this particular letter to the first century church. Again, not a building, a community of people in this area called Colossae. Uh, It's a church that was experiencing some issues, just like every other church in the history of the world, because the church is a community of people, people who are sinful and and prone to selfish and prideful behavior. But but, but most notable to this church in Colossae, uh, the issues they were experiencing were these outside voices, these false teachers, as well as what Paul would say were spiritual powers of this world that, that were slowly but surely leading people astray. Sound familiar? In the third chapter, Paul says this. He says, above all, which is his way of saying most important. 
He's going, if you're going to ignore everything else that I write in this letter, make sure you do not miss this. Above all, most importantly, clothe yourselves with love. Yourselves. Who's he talking to? Followers of Jesus. Followers of Jesus, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. He goes, if you live your life this way, where you cover everything in love, there will be that perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called, this is our calling as followers of Jesus, to live in peace. But Paul's saying this is what is most important as a follower of Jesus, that you would be a group of people who are first and foremost marked by love and consequently peace. That in everything you do, in everything you say, you you clothe, you wrap, you cover it in love. See, love is incompatible with hatred and belittling, and argumentativeness, and anger, and harshness. And he's saying, if you get this right, if you clothe everything in love, peace, and unity will surely follow. And when he uses this term here, when he says one body, he's referring to the unity that all Jesus followers find in Christ. Jesus is who brings us together. Now, I know perhaps what some of you might be thinking. You're thinking, well, well, Paul, that, that, that all sounds nice, but Paul, you know what? You just don't get it. But Paul, we are living in a much different world than what you experience. Paul, 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 do you even know, you're not even ready for this, do you know that there are some Christians who vote Democrat and there are other Christians who vote Republican? Yeah, that's right. To try to tell me to live at peace with with that going on. Paul, 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 you nearsighted child. You didn't account for the fact that some Christians are wearing masks and others aren't. (laughs) I I, I bet you didn't see that coming. I bet you would have changed your tune if you you knew we were going to be dealing with that all these years later. But Paul, how about you try this one on for size? We are in a pandemic In some churches, they're meeting in person. In others, they're strictly online. That's right. What's that? What's online? Well, online is is the internet. It's this thing that I think Al Gore invented. Uh, Never mind. Churches, they're doing church different. So so how do you expect all of us to get along and and live in peace and love and and all that stuff with, with that going on? And we laugh at this, but y'all, I see this stuff every day. It is impossible to get on Facebook without seeing some argument develop right in front of your eyes, often between people who would be claiming to be Christians, because I'm right and you're wrong. And surely the entire world needs to know about it. And I'm, I'm confident that Paul would look at all of this and say, whoa, 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 time out. But press pause. Don't all of you who are hashing it out right now for the world to see claim allegiance to Jesus? Shouldn't our oneness with Jesus take precedence over any? Any of our differences? 
I mean, no, no matter how an important and an issue might be to you, sh- shouldn't the love of Jesus be that much more important? As Jesus followers, and, and by the way, if you're sitting here watching this morning and, and you wouldn't call yourself a Jesus follower, m- much of what I say today, you basically get to pick and choose. Now, I would still tell you, I I think you'd be really wise to live this way, even if you wouldn't subscribe to all things Jesus, because inevitably it will make your life better. But but for you, this is a choice. However, if you call yourself a follower of Jesus, these are not options to be viewed as much as they are prerequisites. These are commands. Meaning that if you don't take this stuff seriously, you are ignoring what it means to be a follower of Jesus in the first place. So so you can disregard this stuff and think to yourself, well, I'm not doing that crap, but just know that's not following Jesus. It's some other warped, manipulated thing that you have invented. You've twisted Jesus into your image and what's easiest for you rather than choosing to follow him, even when it seems hard even when it requires some self-examination, even when it's not easy, even when it is not what comes natural to you. Just a couple of verses later, Paul writes this. He says, and whatever you do or say, whatever, whenever, wherever, whatever you do or say, do it as a, everybody read that word with me right now, do it as a what? Representative of the Lord Jesus giving thanks through him to God the Father. Again, if you call yourself a follower of Jesus, no longer are you just a representative of you or the company you might work for or the family name that you happen to bear. No, you are a, what's the word again? Say it with me. You are a representative of Jesus. Meaning the people around you, your coworkers and friends and family and neighbors, that they are taking their cues and formulating their opinions of Jesus based on how you live your life, based on how you conduct yourself. Now, now we see this type of scenario play out all the time in, in corporate America. Uh, prior to working in the local church, I was in medical sales. I worked for a publicly traded multi-billion dollar orthopedic company. And, and throughout my tenure there, I saw this play out a number of different times. Where somebody on the weekend, when they weren't on the clock, when they weren't working, you know, they'd be at a bar and they'd put up a picture and you'd see it and you'd go, uh-oh, that's not going to be good. Or they'd be at home late one night and they just, man, they had to share their opinion and they'd push out the tweet and you'd read it and you'd go, that's probably not going to be good for them. And wouldn't you know it, the company would fire them. And while they would sit there and they would plead, no, 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 you don't understand. That was in my private time. That wasn't my work life. That was, that was my private life. Guess what? The company did not care. They did not care whether that individual was on the clock or not. Because as soon as they accepted a paycheck from that company, as soon as they became employed by that company, they now represented that company, whether it was in private or whether it was in public. If you call yourself a follower of Jesus, there is no separation between your private life and your public life. There is no, hey, this is me when I'm in person and this is me when I'm online. 
That there is no, hey, this is me Monday through Friday and this is me on the weekend. No, you bear the witness. You bear the name of Jesus 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. You do not get to check in and out as it's convenient for you. Paul says here, whatever you do, whatever you say, in every area of life, in all arenas, you bear the name of Christ. You represent Jesus. So, so while you decide to hash it out on social media with another person, or you put up some passive aggressive post that's meant to call some people out, you are representing Jesus. You are giving all those people who do not have a relationship with Jesus or who are not mature in their faith cues as to what Jesus is like. And just to be clear, Jesus is not passive aggressive. Jesus did not hide behind the veil of anonymity. Jesus didn't lead with dissension. He didn't argue with people in public spaces. That is not in Jesus's character. And as a result, if you call yourself one of his followers, it shouldn't be a part of yours either. Now I'm going to sit down now because as you can tell, I get a bit heated about this because it's heartbreaking to watch followers of Jesus hashing it out over, for instance, whether a church should or shouldn't go back in person or whether we should be required or shouldn't be required to wear a mask. You know, I'm not even trying to state my opinion one way or the other. I'm just trying to, to, to point all of our attention to the fact that some of you are seemingly completely willing to destroy your testimony, your opportunity to be a light for Jesus with others over something as petty as wearing or not wearing a mask. Y'all, don't miss this. The world is watching. The world is paying attention to followers of Jesus right now. The world's watching us hash it out on social media. They're taking note of your dirty looks towards the hourly employee at Home Depot when they tell you you have to put on a mask. They see your passive-aggressive tweets and your passive-aggressive posts. And if these people, these people who do not have a relationship with God, if their observation is that we can't even get along with one another, people who had already claimed to be Christians, why in the heck would they want to be a part of that? When I go shopping for a used car, and I've done this a number of times in my adult life, I'm not a new car guy, not a lease guy, always going straight for the used cars. Like anybody else who's ever shopped for a used car, you are trying to find the best deal possible, right? And so my wife will get so annoyed with me because I will spend weeks every evening, I'm spending like an hour or two scouring the internet for the best deal possible. And every once in a while, as you're looking for these deals, you come across something that you're just like, what? That is crazy cheap. I mean, it has to be too good to be true. There has to be a catch. And in fact, usually there is because usually what happens, you find this car, it's like $8,000 below blue book price. You're going, what in the heck is going on? And you look up the dealership that's selling it. It's usually like Joe Blow's used cars and Look up the Google reviews, or you jump on Facebook and look at their reviews, and wouldn't you know it, it is a solid stream of one stars, right? I mean, it's like 387 reviews, and 384 of them are one star. And it's a lot of things like, hey, as soon as I drove it off the lot, the wheel fell off. 
do not buy, buyer beware, and the first week my transmission blew. And so even though the deal might appear to be a good one, based on the testimony of others, most people will choose to intelligently walk away. Even though the sign at the dealership says the best deals in town, our prices can't be beat, best used cars on the planet. Even though the church website might say, we love all people and come as you are. This is a safe place to explore God. When they jump on social media and they see us hashing it out and name calling and finger pointing over issues like whether or not we should be meeting in person, y'all, most people, and intelligently, I might add, they choose to walk away. So I know that you have a strong opinion on whatever the hot button issue is for the day, but remember, you don't just represent you. You represent, as a follower of Jesus, you represent Jesus, and the world is watching. Looking at us, hashing it out amongst ourselves, going, why in the heck would I want to be a part of that? They're formulating their opinion of Jesus based on the testimony of others, based on our testimony. They're formulating their opinion of Jesus based on our behavior. Right now, we're literally going to put a 30-second timer uh, on the screen. And I just want all of you, no matter where you're at, just between you and God right now, to ask yourself the question, what kind of a picture am I painting of Jesus with my life? 30 seconds, think about that. As I wrap this thing up, a couple of best practices that I would really encourage Jesus followers to implement. And again, if you're not a Jesus follower, you don't have to, but I'm telling you, this will still certainly make your life better. And in fact, the lives around you better as well. First thing I wrote down is this, just because you have an opinion, I know this is going to be shocking, revelational maybe for some of you, does not mean that you need to share it. It does not mean that the world needs to hear it. Uh, allow me maybe here for just a moment, perhaps to appeal to your more human sensibilities, to try to just have an honest moment with you. Um, Don't you get it wrong? In in fact, don't you get it wrong often? How many different times in your life have you made these definitive, I'm definitely right type statements, only to later figure out that you were, well, whoops, wrong? Or, Or or perhaps there was a little bit more to the narrative than you initially thought. You, I, we, we get it wrong all the time. So I know in that moment you feel like the world needs to hear your prevailing, your categorical wisdom. But, But maybe, as a follower of Jesus, maybe just keep it to yourself. In fact, this was just released, a recent study. This is crazy. Not a single person's mind has ever been changed on social media. Isn't that crazy? I'm kidding, but... Probably not. So Jesus followers, let's err on the side of not posting than posting. In fact, for some of you, I want to challenge you to take this a step further. 
press pause on social media for a month. Here's what I mean by that. Take a break from social media for an entire month. Meaning not that, okay, I just won't not post anything. No, no, no. Don't go on any form of social media for an entire month. Now, again, I know what some of you are thinking. You're like, but what is the world going to do without my witty tweets and my incredible thoughts? We'll survive. Delete the apps. Literally get the apps off your phone, off your devices. Have literally a spouse or a close friend change your password and make them swear to you that they will not give it to you no matter how much you beg or you plead after the first week. Watch how this simple step literally detoxes your life. For others of you, it might not be social media, but but maybe, maybe it's that constant news cycle. You're constantly pressing that app. You have those push notifications going through. You are spending so much time every single day just cycling through the news. And to you, I would give you that same challenge. Don't look at anything news related literally for a month. I did this about two weeks into the pandemic. I'm not kidding. I was just like, I've had enough. I, I don't know how to decipher between truth and lies. So I'm just literally walking away from it. And I literally have not gone back. I'm telling you, I have not went to any sort of article, website, or anything since the second week of the pandemic. Now, again, some of you might be thinking to yourself, well, well, how do you know what's going on in the world? Don't worry. Somebody always fills you in. If it is important enough, you are going to find out through the grapevine. Not that big of a deal. So again, number one, just because you have an opinion doesn't mean that you need to share it. Number two, personal conversations are always better than public declarations. Personal conversations, don't miss that, are always better than public declarations. Let's be honest. Most of the time, when you're making some grandiose statement on social media, or you're popping off with friends and family, it's not some broad, meant for a bunch of people statement. And come on, you have a very specific person in mind. And as a follower of Jesus, if you don't have the courage to go and speak to that individual privately about the matter, keep it to yourself. We as people, this is universal, we never admire somebody for their harshness. And probably not coincidentally, harshness usually happens from a distance. No, 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 we admire people for their boldness. And boldness rarely happens from a distance. Boldness is right here. It's intimate. And in that intimacy, yes, you can show boldness, but you also show love. And when you're standing face-to-face with somebody, when you're on the phone with someone, it's a whole lot harder to hurt them, to be harsh with them, just to say those rotten things that you are about to post on social media for the world to see. Now, now last thing I'll I'll say on this particular one, uh, and this is really most important, Please, I'm begging you, seek God's counsel. Seek his wisdom on the matter. So often we walk into these conversations and we haven't talked to God about it at all. Pray about it before you set up the meeting. Pray about it before you pick up the phone. And I say that because so many times in my own life, the issue that I felt like it needed to be brought up with somebody else, it wasn't really a conversation that needed to be had between me and that other person. No, it was a conversation that I needed to have between myself and God. Ultimately, it became a me issue that I have somehow transposed onto someone else. It very rarely hurts you to take 24 hours and just pray about it. You get so much more clarity. And God will likely point out something to you that you were likely ignoring or just previously blind to. 
And then number three, lastly, listen more and talk less. Type less. Contribute to the worldly arguments less. Because when you listen, you learn. And as you learn, you gain empathy. As you sit back and listen, rather than inserting your opinions into the fold, you gain a level of clarity that would have otherwise been impossible to achieve. You're able to sort through truth and deception, truth and lies, as you simply listen and observe. Y'all, the people we all respect most in this world, they're never the loudest. They're never the longest-winded. They're inevitably the listeners. Those who choose their words very carefully. Those who are exceedingly patient and humble and thoughtful with their responses. I want to wrap up our time here today by uh, drawing our attention to a proverb. Uh, Proverbs is a book that we find in the Old Testament, kind of the first half of the Bible. It's a collection of wise sayings for everyday living, not necessarily even religious statements, but uh, written by what many would consider to be the wisest person to have ever lived, a guy who went by the name of Solomon. And in Proverbs chapter 15, Solomon says this. He says, a gentle answer, a gentle answer, deflects anger. As followers of Jesus, we are called to deflect anger, not be ones that are contributing to the fire. But harsh words make tempers flare. The tongue of the wise makes knowledge appealing, but the mouth of a fool belches out foolishness. He continues, the Lord is watching everywhere, keeping his eye on both the evil and the good. I find it interesting that he inserted that. It's almost like this quick reminder of going, hey, by the way, God sees all of this. He sees what you're posting. He sees what you're saying. It's not lost on him. The Lord is watching everywhere. Gentle words, he again says, are a tree of life. A deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. A, a word that we see mentioned a couple of times here, that, that word gentle, it, it also happens to be what I feel to be one of the underappreciated characteristics of Jesus. Gentleness. As followers of Jesus, we are called to cover everything in love. And love is exceedingly gentle. It's never harsh. It's never condescending. It's never passive aggressive. No, no, no love is, is gentle. Just because you call yourself a Christian does not mean you behave like Jesus. In fact, the behavior should precede the title. P people should be able to observe how you're living your life and intuitively know that something is different. The, the truth is, is that you can be right on everything. You could have all your facts lined up and so many times it does not matter. People don't care so frequently, people care very little about the facts and the information and what you know. And they care a whole lot more about how you treat people. How you treat the people around you. Church, let us not be a group of people that demonizes our differences. That instead, our, our oneness in Jesus takes precedence over, well, everything else. 
every person watching right now, Christian, not Christian, would be wise to pick up and read those biographical accounts of the life of Jesus, those first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and take note of how Jesus got along with all different types of people, kings and noblemen, prostitutes and tax collectors, fishermen and carpenters, religious, non-religious, people who were nothing like Jesus liked Jesus. All different kinds of people with all different kinds of opinions and beliefs. And How did Jesus pull that off? It's because he, he covered everything in love. A, a gentleness, a gentle love went before him. Church, we have an incredible opportunity sitting in front of us right now. People are searching for answers like never before. So let's be a people that follows the lead of Jesus, that we, that we listen more and we talk less. Let, let's clothe everything we do in love because after all, we are what? We are representatives. Representatives. We are representatives of Jesus himself.